0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: From MPB Think Radio, you're listening to Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today's an all-pet day on Creature Comfort, so the doors to our pet hospital are wide open. We welcome all pet questions from the big to the small. Summer temperatures are creeping up, and some pets need extra attention as that heat settles in. So we'll talk about keeping pets healthy during the summer sun. Also, if you've had any general wildlife experiences, call in and share. We love to hear those. Don't hesitate to join our conversation by phone or email. Give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven 877 ring. It's one eight seven seven. 672 Email animals at mpbonline.org If you miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning Dr. Major, hope you're doing well this morning Doing quite
2: well Thank you, appreciate it How are you doing?
1: Uh, Doing pretty good. Just got back from uh, a vacation, went out to visit some friends of mine who live out on the West Coast. So it's always interesting to go to a different part of the country that you're not familiar with and (laughs) see the sights and that sort of thing. Uh, Also, I'll say to any cat owners that think their cats are standoffish, if you go out of town for a week or so, Boy, when you get back, they certainly aren't standoffish at all. He was—he uh, was glad to see me, and and was probably paid me more attention <laughs> than he had in the last month or so.
2: <laughs> right? You know, the personalities of cats differ. I've seen a few that when people come home, they kind of go like, "Hey, I don't even know you. I'm going to, you know, disown you for leaving me." Yeah. But that's the usual case. They're excited to see you, and I'm sure you give out some special treats, and that's always one of the things that they're ready for. I had run out of a particular cat food uh, the other day that I give them a small amount of canned food uh, to split between two large cats. They weigh about 15, 16 pounds. And uh, we were out of it, but the package came. We had to order it, and the package came. And that cat, the big cat, the older cat, sat there and looked at it. At the box, until we opened it up and gave them some so they they 're pretty pretty adept and pretty smart,
1: well, you know the other thing how badly he's got me trained is that my cat doesn 't like what I call stale food if there's food in his bowl that 's been there for a while, he wants fresh food poured in there well. That's when when I'm out of town. Though I guess he realizes he's not going to get it, so he better eat what's in his bowl. Because uh, usually when I come back from out of town, the bowl is is uh, pretty much uh, empty. But uh, and he he required several doses uh, last night, and I felt a little bit bad because the empty bowl. Because he had also had pulled a bag of uh, cereal off the counter and had gotten into that. So I don't know if he had a couple <laughs> of bites of cereal. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, I'm glad. To, I, I think a week is about. Uh, as far as I can go uh, and still keep him happy. So I was glad to see that he's uh, he's doing well. So oh, great. great. All right. So, Dr. Major, summer is uh, settling in here. So let's uh, maybe remind folks about some of the things to keep in mind about uh, pets and the summertime. Uh, not only humans need to stay hydrated, but our pets do as well.
2: Absolutely. And we've already seen probably two cases of uh, heat exhaustion, heat stroke, uh, this Spring, summer, I guess it is summer now. So humidity plays a big role in this, even though we haven't had, you know, the temperatures and the 95s and up. Uh, the main thing, like you say, is hydration and know the limitations, too. If you're out playing Frisbee or out at the reservoir uh, with your dog, you need to be aware that even though they may be going in and out of the water, this sort of thing, they can still have heat exhaustion. So make sure they have plenty of water. And as a rule of thumb, obviously they need shade and uh, a place to get out of the sun.
1: Um, are there signs that we can see, maybe uh, symptoms of uh, of our pets getting overheated?
2: Usually, usually it would be increased respiration. Uh, uh, panning, of course, is one way that uh, dogs especially are able to dissipate heat. I've often said that cats are a little strange. How many times have you seen a cat running down the street when it's 95? <laughs> uh, they, they're they're going to find a place to get out. I'm talking about outside cats, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, they're going to find a place to, to go to get out of the sun. And uh, Whereas dogs, a lot of times, they just keep going, and uh, then you can get into a serious situation as far as heat exhaustion or heat stroke. Uh, cars, it goes without saying that even uh, in fairly low temperatures like 85, that sort of thing, it gets pretty hot in that car uh, if you leave the uh, animal unattended. So this is something that we really need to be very careful with. And uh, dogs are lost every year, uh, uh, especially dogs lost every year, from being in a car that's closed and get too hot.
1: This is Creature Comforts. It's an all pet day today. Our phone lines are open, so if you have a question for Doctor Major, give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. So as you said the, about the parked vehicle, and I would say even if you kind of crack the window, roll the window down to let a little bit of the heat out, it's still a dangerous uh, situation. So it's best to just not, you know, if, if, you, if you leave the vehicle, your pet should not be in there no matter what, I guess. That's
2: correct. And, you know, even for a short period of time, if the if motor's off, the air conditioner's off, it doesn't take, but just uh, forget the exact statistics, but five to ten minutes, and the temperature of that car is going to be up into 120-plus. So that's pretty hot. So just make an effort never to leave your dog unattended in the car.
1: Um <clears throat> I'm fairly sure I w- a, a cat would never jump in a swimming pool maybe maybe who knows but uh dogs do seem to like the water so if you're at a pool or at the lake what are some things to keep in mind about uh, dogs and and going swimming
2: You know a lot of the dogs <clears throat> do love love to go swimming they love to retrieve but with the heat situation especially the dark coated dogs uh labs for example Uh, they love to be going back and forth in and out of the water. But, yes, they can have heat heat exhaustion or heat stroke as well. Uh, And some dogs cannot swim. Uh, Classic example, uh, French bulldogs or bulldog breeds, a lot of those dogs will literally roll over and drown, unable to swim. So be very careful. They're breed-specific, and especially with the swimming pool, if they are unattended, Uh, and jump in uh, certainly could be a tragedy.
1: You know, a lot of these things, the things we think about for other humans in the summertime, staying hydrated, staying in the shade, that sort of thing, these are the things, same things that we need to think about with our pets. Absolutely. What about um, dogs or cats that have a thick coat? Is it wise or um, a good idea to maybe uh, trim them or, or give them, maybe groom them?
2: You know, this is always a subject of controversy. Uh, One of the things that we see this time of year, especially, is moist dermatitis or eczema, commonly called a hot spot. Uh, You may have seen it on a dog. Uh, It usually begins as a lesion, circular, and spreads out, and it's usually very, very irritated, very red. Uh, I'm a proponent of, actually, with the heavy-coated dogs, unless it's a show dog or something, to have it sheared down, at least where it won't uh, get so. uh, Okay, we're in Mississippi, Siberian Husky, for example. uh, (laughs) They're they're an Arctic-type dog. Uh, There are other breeds like that. And uh, these dogs are not equipped really to be uh, outside in the weather uh, with those heavy coats, and that's where we see problems. And, of course, fleas or ticks could exacerbate the problem, but a lot of times it starts just because there's so much fur in the area.
1: And, again, I think if you have a a dog or a cat with a thick coat, then you look for those signs that we talked about earlier of maybe, you know, panting or or symptom signs that the, the dogs uh, might be uh, overheating or getting hot, and that might be a, a time to, uh, to maybe go to the groomer and, and get the, the summer coat.
2: <laughs> and, you know, one thing is uh, – often neglected with cats and dogs is a good brushing or combing Uh, that removes a lot of dead hair for example but also is will be an aid in shedding when these uh, animals start to shed Uh, i I really believe that we should brush or comb our pets uh, once a week or more if necessary
1: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's time for our first break of the hour. When we get back, we'll be looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. You can call in at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. We've got some emails to share. That comes up after this break. So stay tuned. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. It is an all-pet day today, and we've got some open phone lines. So pet owners, call in. Let us know what's on your mind today at one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can also email animals at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Major, we got a couple of emails here, and let's see. This first one is, um, my 10-year-old Maltese has been showing some odd behaviors. He wasn't too well trained to begin with, but now it's like what training he did have has gone completely by the wayside. He's begun to go to the bathroom in the house, becoming excessively needful of attention, barking more, chewing on wires in his leash, won't walk on the grass to go to the bathroom, and is very hyperactive. Would we need to take him to a doggy therapist?
2: Gosh, that's, that's a great question. My, my thinking is this. First of all, if you haven't done it, get him into your veterinarian and have him checked over closely, everything from teeth to tail. Uh, probably have some blood work done just to see if there's any changes. And uh, at some point, you may need to go to a dog therapist. But the uh, first thing I would do is go to your vet and have a complete geriatric checkup. I think that's important. It doesn't sound like this little dog is going through dementia. It sounds like a personality change, and it could relate to arthritis. It could certainly be a problem causing them to act strange, but there could be underlying causes, which would be difficult to tell without seeing your veterinarian.
1: So there are some physical things that might be causing uh, the, the change in behavior.
2: Absolutely, and that's the first place I would go is check that. And then if everything checks out good, seek out a behaviorist. There are some uh, licensed animal behaviorists, behaviorists, hard to pronounce that, in in Mississippi. And certainly uh, if you have any questions about finding one, I would suggest calling the uh, vet school at Mississippi State University and ask about that.
1: Yeah, and it, it makes sense because if 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 there was an underlying physical problem and you just took them to the, the behaviorist, then you're, you're missing the root cause. So check them out first and then uh, maybe uh, look for uh, help if, if that doesn't uh, solve the problem. Here's another one. This one says, our now 10-month-old rescue kitten came to our home out of a shelter situation at about three months old. He came to us with a chronic sneeze, one that would make the strongest of men duck and cover. At this time of neutering, our doctor treated it with a shot of antibiotics in hopes that it would clear up what he suspected was a shelter-induced upper respiratory infection. The sneezing frequently decreased some after that. However, uh, mucus production didn't decrease. He continues to sneeze two to three times a day. Uh, Not only do the humans in the home hide when they hear him building up to a sneeze, the other two dogs and a cat run and cover, too. (laughs) okay we know humans can have allergies to cats but what about cats do they have allergies and could it be to the other animals or some outside allergen
2: okay based on the severity of this sneeze and the mucus production the first thing that comes to mind is uh, feline rhinotracheitis which actually the kitten may have had even before it got to the shelter but it's easily communicable to young young kittens from older kittens or older cats. Uh, One of the problems with this, it may require some uh, supplementation. Uh, Some of the uh, antibiotic may help, but it's very difficult. And usually this is caused by a herpes virus. Not communicable to people, but certainly it doesn't just go away in in cats. It may be able to get it under control, but it sounds like this is something that the kitten has had for a while. Very good. This, I would, I would, go ahead. Excuse me. I would go back to the veterinarian and discuss it and ask specifically, do you feel like this is herpes virus or another virus that can, and can we treat it? That's something that you need to know.
1: All right. This is Creature Comforts and All Pet Day today. So if you have a question for Dr. Major about your pet, please feel free to give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 672 seven four six four you can also send us an email it's animals at org. we do have a caller on the line from vicksburg we say good morning to carl go ahead carl you're on the air
3: oh uh, yes sir i want to find out um i have a labrador or uh, uh, a yellow lab um are there more than one type of labrador like this lab has like really a whole lot of hanging skin droopy on the neck like a longer snout
2: what I would suggest is uh, you can go online and look at some of the different types of labs, and there's a body type uh, we see labs ranging anywhere from one hundred and twenty pounds down to forty five or fifty so yes, there there's some distinct differences in some of them uh, some people say the British type uh, but they're are just a lot and so, you know labs are the most uh, popular popular yes. breed uh, In the country still, I believe, I I, I disbelieve that uh, somebody had come up with French Bulldogs being the most popular. Uh, They're very popular right now, but labs far outnumber uh, other dogs. And a lot of these dogs are not registered, uh, which does not make a lot of difference with the dog unless you're trying to hunt with the dog or, you know, have a breeding program. Well, she, but, she, 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 I, I got her from a school, and she was, like, very well-trained. very well-trained, right. you know? Right. Well, it sounds like a really good dog. What does she weigh?
3: She weighs right at 70, 75 pounds.
2: Uh, Which is about average uh, weight that they should be. Uh, but there are some larger, and uh, somebody that's a lab expert might be able to give us more information as far as uh, the differences between, say, the English lab and the, quote, American lab. But there are distinct differences uh, with these breeds. The loose skin—I'm not yeah. sure that I can tell you that that belongs to any particular uh, <laughs> yeah. breed of lab. Um, I could be Anyways. standing in
3: water. I can be standing in water, like neck up to my neck, and she she can go under the water, and like she likes to go underwater and take my shoes, the water shoes off my feet. So
2: it's like, she,
3: she dives under the water, it's crazy. right? Right. <laughs>
2: Sounds like a, a great dog, and I know you're taking good care of her. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks love for your, your call. I love you also. Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Good to hear from you, Carl. Thanks for the kind words. Uh, let's uh, stay on the phone lines. We'll go to Sandy. Uh, hang on. We'll get that call in just a minute. Uh, here is another email, though, Doctor Major. It says uh, have two male dogs. One is five years old, and the other, little over a year. They're both neutered. When they're inside the house, they're loving and attentive to each other. But when I let them outside, on occasion, they violently attack each other. They latch onto each other, and even using the wheelbarrow method to separate them doesn't always work. I try to not let them out at the same time, but I have three other dogs as well, so it's not always possible. Uh, what advice might you have for this emailer?
2: Well, this is this is a difficult thing, and some dogs, whether they're neutered or not will show this behavior. It's a dominance thing in general. Uh, The older dog probably is being threatened by the younger dog. I'm not sure exactly in this case what's happening there, but there is a problem. I would suggest trying to get a trainer to help you with this problem. Uh, It's going to be an issue, and it seems to worsen as this particular type of thing escalates. So get some help from a professional.
1: And these are two male dogs, so I imagine, as you said, it's they're kind of trying to decide who the dominant one is?
2: Absolutely. And that's, you know, regardless of which one the dominant one is, this younger dog is trying to establish himself, I'm sure. And it does does make a difference. So you, this this person needs to get some professional help and see what can happen with this.
1: All right. I think we got that call already. So now let's say good morning to Debbie calling in from Sandy Hook. Debbie, you're on the air with us. Go ahead.
0: Hello. Um, I had written a letter that y'all wrote, um, that y'all read on uh, over the program about my six-month-old puppy that got hit by a car, and she's now blind. And um, I just wanted to say, it's just truly amazing how she has adapted. It is just I am just so we are all so amazed. Now she does a caller had called in after y'all read my letter, and she talked about you know they have fear barking, and she does you know she she does bark more now than what she did before, but once we calm her down and tell her we you know we we say safe. And she's right. adapted to that. She knows that she's
2: okay. Well, that's pretty amazing. And uh, how, how old is she? You said six months when she got hit hit by a car?
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It, it happened a couple months ago, and uh, we took her to the vet, and there was nothing they could do as far as her right. eyesight. The trauma was so severe, but um, she... It is it is amazing, Doctor Major. I just want to stress to people: don't think their quality of life because we were concerned with that in the vet. Uh, we used uh, Doctor Schilling in Franklton, and I am here to tell you the quality of life is wonderful.
2: Great. We sure appreciate a follow up that you've given us on this and. Uh, just to show that with care and love and uh, just some time that this dog has done really, really well. So thanks for your call back. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thanks, Debbie. Well, Good. thank
2: you, Doctor.
0: I also, I was curious, can I ask one question?
1: Sure. Sure.
0: If I have flea medicine for a 20-pound dog, but I have a 40-pound dog, can I use two 20-pound
2: Yes. Okay. That's, okay. That, should be, think, that should be should be adequate. It depends on the type and just always read. But if it's, it's for up to 20 pounds, you should not have any problems using two of the 20 pounds on that 40-pound dog.
0: Okay. I didn't think okay. I would, but I wanted to check. And, and I right. am curious to know, why is it the cats, you know, it says all over it, do not use on dogs? Why is their fleas different?
2: <laughs> Maybe, it may be the concentration of the uh, medication, and it depends on which brand you're using, but that would be my guess would be the concentration is different on the cat and dog, and that's the reason they label it like that. Always be careful if you're using something for a dog on a cat, and usually it says be careful or not to. So that's the main thing, okay? Anyway, thanks for your call. We appreciate it.
1: Good to hear from you, Debbie. Thanks for the update uh, that Debbie had uh, emailed in, and we read last uh, week that about her dog being hit by the car. So it's good to see that the dog has adapted. And again, that is kind of impressive and amazing. Uh, well, our pets can do maybe much more than we, we ever imagined. Uh, we're gonna stay on the phone lines because next we have got Chico who calls in from Oxford. Good morning, Chico, go ahead.
3: Hey, good morning, y'all. Uh,
4: if, Cassie might start barking here in a minute because we're sitting roadside and she zeroed in on this big squirrel, the biggest squirrel in Mississippi is walking across the road. <laughs> um, I, I called in the, the other day and asked Coach Charlie about um, installing a large uh, industrial grade, like a 12, 15 inch fan hanging down from behind the driver's side in the, in my old 1992 Ozoneville, which has no windows. And I wanted to be able to leave the car turned off for a long time and he advised me about putting solar panels on the front to operate the fan. And the fan's for the dog, it's not for me. Um my question is what about that? What about if, if she has a, a large amount of industrial strength wind blowing on her and no windows in the car?
2: You said you have you have no windows in the car? No. Okay. I, you know, I guess the question would be, yes, that should be sufficient. At the same time, how long are you going to be leaving leaving this dog in the car?
4: Oh well, I would I would be with the car.
2: Okay. It would just be, okay. It would just be turned off. I understand. I think that would be sufficient. You've got solar panels to run the fan, which is I remarkable. It, yeah, but I'm gonna order them. <laughs> okay. I think everything should be fine with that. Okay. All right. I so do appreciate it, y'all. All right. Thank you.
1: Good to hear from you, Chico. It is time for another break. When we get back, we'll have more time for you to ask your pet questions of Dr. Troy Major. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone lines are open, 1-877-672-7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more, so stay tuned.
0: I'm Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner and associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, there's information you can use to help maintain a healthy lifestyle. Just search for Southern Remedy on your favorite podcasting app.
1: You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, an all-pet day we're looking for your pet questions. Got some open phone lines, but a slow day, usually a little busier on pet day. So maybe our pets are doing well as we roll into summer. But if you have a question for a Dr. Major, you can give us a call at one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can always send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Here's another one, Dr. Major, and an interesting question. This one says, I have a lovely yellow dog of indetermined heritage. I'm curious about her genetic makeup. Are there commercially available dog DNA tests uh, that we can sometimes get for humans, and are they accurate, uh, and is one preferable to any of the others?
2: Well, it's a great question, and people often are concerned about the heritage of their dog. I would say that in general there are... Uh, pretty accurate, especially for the larger portion of the DNA. There may be some controversy about others. I actually had a person in yesterday with a miniature poodle, and they had done the DNA test. And uh, I think it was 51% poodle. And then it had several other breeds mixed in with it, even though this was supposed to be a purebred poodle. uh, I think it had maybe some pit bull in it, and the dog doesn't look anything like a pit bull. It looks just like a poodle. So I would say that they're fairly accurate. There may be some that are more accurate than others, and they can be uh, purchased online as far as the test. Uh, they're not terribly expensive now. I think less than, less than $100, probably more in the $75 range. And uh, are simple to do. You send it off, and you get the results.
1: All right. Uh, here's another one. This one says, I have an evil cat. When we got her, she was re- uh, she was rescued as a feral kitten. She bites and scratches any time we try to pick her up. And man, can she do some damage? Don't get me wrong, we love our evil cat and she seems to love us. Except for trying to pick her up, she's mostly well-behaved and we enjoy her company and personality. She wants us to pet her, which we do for very short periods of time, but she keeps us in line because if we pet too long, she'll give us a good bite. Uh, We've come to accept her prickly personality, enjoy her company mostly from a distance. The problem is that we cannot bring her into the vet for basic care. She got her first round of shots when she was a kitten, including rabies, and has been spayed. But since then, if we try to pick her up... Our uh, hands are shredded, and try to shoe her into a crate doesn't seem to work either. She's too smart. Any ideas for trying to get this prickly cat to the vet?
2: First of all, I would tip the vet off that you're coming in with her so they'd be prepared. Uh, What I would do, and it depends on the size of the uh, carrier that you're trying to get her in, I think it would be wise maybe to start feeding her in the carrier, uh, and then uh, over a period of days to week, you should be able to close that door either remotely, <laughs> using your imagination, or uh, just close it if she'll let you do it. But that's the best way, I would say, rather than getting into an altercation, uh, trying to catch the cat and put it in, in the carrier. That does work in most cases.
1: Um, and I would suggest maybe the towel method where if you've got the towel and you kind of can grab the cat and get her wrapped up before she starts getting her paws loose, that that uh, might be helpful. I know that uh, sometimes when I give my cat uh, medicine, we use the the swaddle method, I guess you call that.
2: <laughs> right, and that that's a good idea. At the same time, this cat seems like she's a little beyond your cat uh, as far as her temperament, yes. if you understand what I'm saying. So uh, be careful, you don't want to get have been seriously or uh, scratched. And if you can put the only source of food in that carrier uh, and start feeding her in there, I think that would be the best way I could imagine to do that.
1: And also, I would say, too, if, if they do something and the cat gets agitated, it's probably not a good idea to continue because it'll just get worse. And so if there's something and the cat seems to be not happy with the situation, maybe just back off and give give the cat some space and try again later.
2: Right. Great, great point.
1: All right, um, let's see. We've got another email. This one says, A little puppy found us about three weeks ago. She looked to be in pretty good condition. I'm feeding her science diet puppy food according to packaging directions. She's a small mix with a really good sniffer. Every time I feed her, she gobbles her food down so quickly, she's actually gulping and coughing. I've started giving her small amounts of food and making her sit in between. I would have thought by now she um, she would know that she will get fed. We're feeding her four times a day. I'd like to eventually leave food out for her, but I'm afraid it would bloat her if he gave her free rein. Any suggestions for this little dog?
2: The question again was that she, she eats so
1: fast, fast that she gobbles the food down. Yeah.
2: And she, and she tends to choke. I don't know if she's throwing up after this. Uh, and I don't know the size of the dog. I wonder how big she is, but I, I mean, obviously emailed, so we don't know. Uh, Several things to think about. It might be good uh, to moisten her food, if you're not doing that already. Uh, warm water on kibble, uh, let it soak a little bit. That might help, and they do make uh, bowls that are designed for the dogs that eat really fast. Uh, they have knobs or protrusions, and the dog has to work around that to to get to the food, so that might be an answer. Uh, Uh, Small amounts like you're doing now and gradually increase the amounts. I recommend for most animals, most dogs, to feed twice a day rather than leaving it out. As they said, she probably would uh, overeat, either causing bloat or diarrhea. Uh, So I think the best idea is trying to increase the food slowly from that four times a day to do it twice a day and see if that helps. But the consistency of the food may be the answer, too. And I would suggest either going online or going to a pet shop and finding one of those bowls that uh, makes it more difficult for them to eat fast.
1: Yeah, my sister has a dachshund, and she has one of those, and it seems to be very effective because they really do have to kind of root around in there to get to the food. And that, I don't know, maybe that's something that they enjoy doing, too. So they get their, their food but also have a little fun maybe trying to find it.
2: <laughs> a little fun. A little. Foraging, I guess, would be the word.
1: <laughs> Let's uh, go to the phone lines. Off to Hendersonville, Tennessee. James has called in today. Good morning, James. Go ahead.
3: Hello. Yes. Uh, my name is James. I'm from Hendersonville, Tennessee. Um, I was going to call in today and see if the lady uh, was there and talk about my my um, uh, Cooper's hawks. But since she's not there, I want to talk about something else. I would like. I'm going to be um, getting a, uh, a dog through the Humane Society, that kind of place. And when you go there, you don't know anything about that background of the dog usually. And they have could have been in the best of places or the worst of places. And how can I make the transition between their place to my, to the new place um, harmonious? How can I make everything smooth as possible? But I don't know them. They don't know me. But with love, hopefully we'll all get together on the same page. How can I do that if you guys don't mind?
2: Okay, tell me this. Uh, what kind of dog is she? Mix and her size. How big um, is
3: she? Probably going to be probably going to be like a mixed breed dog. I don't know whether a male or female. That does not right. matter.
2: Yep.
3: Uh, just just a probably medium size. I've had a cocker spaniel before. She was the best dog in the whole crapping world. Eighteen years old, spoiled rotten the whole nine yards. She slept with mom and everybody loved her to death. But I'm thinking about more because my old dog Jojo, he was fifty pound German Shepherd mix. I'm thinking about a mixed-breed dog, and I don't really, don't really care about the type, but there's like a bulldog female there, and it's the nicest thing, but I really don't care about the breed or mixed-breed, I don't care. Just something that connects right. with me, you know? So right. maybe 50 pounds-ish.
2: Okay, some people recommend, uh, you know, maybe introduce it. You have the older dog, right, still?
3: Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, he you, passed away, that's why I'm looking for another okay. baby.
2: Okay, you don't have any dogs right now?
3: No, none at all. No smell. I mean, in a new place, they've never had a smell of anything other than just meat.
2: Well, I would take it easy. I was going to say that some people recommend, if you had another dog, to introduce them maybe on a neutral area rather than in their home. But since you're getting this dog, I think probably as much as anything, judge the dog by its activity. Uh, There's nothing wrong with having some good type treats uh, to use uh, cool. when the dog does well. I'm sure you'd like to have it house trained. This may be a problem in, from a kennel situation, being able to get the dog out frequently. Uh, how old would the dog be that you're going to get? Do you know? Um, I'm not really
3: sure because I'm okay. still looking around. But, but maybe maybe two or three years old or older, um, because I've had puppies before, but still, uh-uh, not right sure. now. I understand. Older I understand. dogs that need a beautiful home, you know?
2: Absolutely. And are you at home all the time during the day?
3: Um, I'm at home until 12, but my mom lives right next door.
2: Okay. I mean, right
3: next door. So she's gonna. she came down to let JoJo out, or if they were on the porch, then then my mom and dad with JoJo would be on the porch at their house, and that's what's going to happen now because uh, okay. I've already talked I, to mom. She's going to come over a couple of times a day, let them outside. If they're sitting on my front porch, which that is what happened, our front porch right. rather, and, you know, just going to hang out at the house. So, yeah.
2: Good. That's good to have some attention during the day. I would be consistent with the training, trying to house train the dog, getting it out frequently. And going back to feeding, if you can uh, maybe feed a little bit less than you think the dog needs for the first few days and then gradually work up. And I, I wouldn't. I, I'm not a proponent of leaving the dog food out all the day. Some people have to, but I think if you fed twice a day, would be sufficient. And uh, and just uh, take it easy. I guess is the best way. And you don't you have to judge the dog based on its personality, and how it reacts. Yeah. And most of the time, when you go to a pound or a shelter, there is a physical eye contact that you know that's the right dog for you.
3: Yes, and, Exactly. Uh,
2: yes. Sir. And that's what I would do, just search for that dog. And uh, a lot can be learned. Who knows what the history is on most of these dogs. Sometimes we have an idea, other times we don't. So just use your judgment. It sounds like you've been around some good dogs, and I have no doubt that you can do well with this. Thank you, sir. All
1: right, James. I hope,
3: hope, you guys,
2: hope you guys have a beautiful rest of the day, okay? Thank you very much. You. Bye-bye. Take
1: care. Thanks, James, for your call. Let's get one more email before our next break. This one is What do you recommend for flea control on outdoor kittens six weeks old? Most products I've seen say do not use on cats under 12 weeks.
2: Excellent question. And of course, the kittens are outside and they will be reintroduced to fleas, obviously, if you use something topically. uh, There's an old preparation, it's got pyrethrins. Uh, called Adam's Flea Spray, and I think you can use that on kittens in that age. Uh, Rather than soaking the kittens down, a lot of times I recommend taking a cotton ball and spreading it over the areas where you see fleas, but this can be done, uh, this can be used daily almost if you had to.
1: All right. Very good. Let's uh, take our last break for this hour. Uh, it's an all pet day today. Dr. Major has been answering your pet questions all hour, but there's still time if you'd like to work in your phone call. The number is one mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 You can always send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap things up after this. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. It's an all-pet day. Dr. Major's been ready to answer your pet questions throughout the hour. Still time to work in a phone call if you hurry. 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, This one, Dr. Major says, I've been locking a little outside cat in my garage at night to protect her from some predator, probably dogs, that killed two other cats in my yard. I'm trying to get her to become an inside cat, uh, but in the meantime, I worry about how hot it may get in the garage. How high can the temperature go before I have to leave the garage door open so she won't get too hot? And then also any tips that would help transition an outdoor cat into an indoor cat.
2: How old did they say this cat was? They said it was a kitten. Uh,
1: or young cat. Yeah. It just says little outside cat, so I would imagine okay. that it's Fair a, a younger a cat.
2: Yeah, I suspect so. Well, you know, if the garage is enclosed, I would say that probably just you know I don't know how hot it gets in that garage but probably if it got over 90, probably would be wise. And I would have provide a fan for this cat just to circulate the air. Uh, as far as bringing it inside, uh, first of all, I don't know if there are other animals inside, but I would confine it to a small area, make sure that it's learned to use a litter box in the garage if possible. Most cats will go to a litter box if it's available and maybe confine the cat uh, kitten to us one room with litter box water and food until it's more comfortable in the house that would be my suggestion with that most cats are pretty well doing that especially if it's a kitten that you can or cat that you can pick up or pet i think it would be wise to get it on inside
1: all right let's uh, head back to the phones and off to fannin we go joey has called in today good morning joey you're on the air with us
4: hey good morning thank you uh, I have two questions, and they are around bats and cats. Uh, I have a—I live out in the Fanning area in Brandon, and I have some a carport. And I've got some bats up in the kind of the, the gable vent area, and didn't know if that would be hurting anything. Should I have them moved? Uh, last year I had about two. Now I've got about seven up there.
2: All right, that's 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 a great question. What do you do? First of all, they produce a fair amount of feces or guano, uh, so that can be an issue there. Uh, and it sounds like you're building a colony. There's no way that they're getting inside the attic or anything like that, are they? Just no,
4: there's a there's a vent, there's a screen. So the screen stops them. But they but they're uh I guess they would if I didn't have the
2: screen there. Right. Well, that's good that you do. You know, bat removal is fairly expensive. Uh, uh, There may be somebody that can tell you what you could do to to kind of deter them from being there. Uh, As far as rabies and this sort of thing, chances are very slim. There was one case, I think, a couple of years ago, though, where a cat did contract rabies from a bat. I guess the bat was on the ground and the cat was playing with it and got bitten. So there is that possibility. It's rare, but it's something that if you have outside animals, they need to be vaccinated anyway for rabies and other sure. uh, diseases. So and I'm sure yours are. So the question is, uh, there's, uh, there's a company called Critter Catchers. I believe that's right. They could advise you or help you.
4: Okay. And uh,
2: yeah. they've been in business for a long time, so you, I don't have the phone number, but you might look that up and give them a card. Sure,
4: I can look that up and then the thank you for that and the last question is I have a, a little, I have three acres there's a barn in the back and, uh, there has been it is like a, a pair of cats that had kittens about seven kittens and uh-huh. they are starting to starting to see them around. Is there anybody I can call to come catch the cat and the kittens and take them somewhere maybe?
2: I would give a call to one of the uh, shelters, either huh? just for example, Mississippi Animal Rescue League, or maybe, I don't know where you live, which part of uh, area, but uh you are in Jackson area? Yeah,
4: I'm in, I'm in the uh, Brandon Fannin area off Highway 4.1. Okay, right.
2: Right. Okay. Yeah. right. Uh, you could call Webster Animal Shelter and talk to them. They can provide live traps where you could trap these cats. Uh, if you were planning on maybe keeping those adults, you could trap them and spay and neuter them to try to cut out on the uh, reproductive cycle. They can produce a lot of kittens. I think you said you had six or seven there.
4: Yeah, no, that's these
2: a these when they get uh, six months old or somewhere in that range, they can start having kittens. So it, you need to need to cut this off as best you can. But oh, okay. if you give them a call, they can uh, loan you, uh, I believe, a uh, live trap, which would help to be able to do that. Okay. And, now, uh, who, was the,
4: who was the last animal shark? Did You say Webster?
2: Webster, that's in Madison.
4: Okay. Question. All right. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. It's helpful.
2: Thank you. You take care.
1: Thanks, Joey, for the call. Let's go on next. Uh, Well, hold off on that. Uh, Here is an email that says, our six-year-old cat was diagnosed with asthma about two years ago. The vet told us about treatment options. We decided to start with a puffer, a device that fits over our cat's nose and mouth and delivers medicine. Prescribed to be used twice a day. We did so for a week or two, but no noticeable change in the number of attacks per day. My question is this. Can we expect the puffer to work like an inhaler works in humans, for example, for acute relief, or does the medicine need to be administered regularly over a long period of time before we see some significant reduction in the asthma attacks?
2: So basically, they've done this and have not seen any positive results. I guess that's what
1: I right right. From that. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it probably is going to be wise to go to a secondary treatment, or a different type of treatment. Uh, there may be an injection that could last for uh, what shall I say, three or four weeks. Rather than having to use, try to use the puffer. And I'm not sure what type of medication is in that puffer. Uh, but it sounds like it's not working, so I would consult with your vet and try an alternative to that.
1: All right. I think we have um, a question here. Someone couldn't hold on. Um, a, a question about wondering if you can use Deep Woods Off on dogs. Or any kind Very of quiet. like uh, mosquito spray.
2: Yeah, I could. I would suggest that yes, you can. I would not coat the animal down. I had done it on my dog, large dog, when mosquitoes were so bad. And also, there are medications that can help. Uh, one of those actually is supposed to repel mosquitoes. Uh, I'm talking now about flea and tick control. So it may be that you need to talk to your vet and see what is available that, which would negate to have to use the uh, deep woods off.
1: Right. So something more specifically intended for a, a dog or a cat would be the, the better option.
2: Probably so because it's not necessarily, to, what would you do? I guess wet the dog down with deep woods off. But they're always, they're down closer than you are. They're going to pick up ticks uh, and mosquitoes are going to be a problem. So I don't think there's anything wrong with using it. But at the same time, there may be better options.
1: And I, I like your idea of, uh, especially with small dogs, doing it—you know, spraying it, uh, something like that on a piece of a ball of cotton and then dabbing it on on the dog that way. That sounds like a, an effective way of trying to get it on there without. Because I would imagine the danger is oversaturation.
2: Exactly. That's right.
1: Well, Plus,
2: remember that remember that the dog or cat's going to lick, so ah. that would be a possible issue too.
1: All right. We kept Dr. Major pretty busy this hour. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded and provided in part by listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit creaturecomforts.mpbonline.org. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Calvin Klein. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next, it's AutoCorrect. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.